Welcome to my podcast, Aging with Grace, designed for anyone who wants to enjoy the journey of a lifetime after age 55. This series provides useful tips, not only for taking care of yourself, family, and friends, but also how to enjoy life more abundantly than many even thought possible for people ages 55, 65, 75, and beyond. Some of our guests are doing what many listeners only dream about or maybe even never thought possible. So relax, enjoy their stories on this unique lifestyle podcast, and be prepared to share your own along with hearing useful tips and vital information for everyone aging with grace. Welcome to this episode of Aging with Grace, where we're going to be talking up to the uh, CEO shortly of Thrive. And as we begin, I'd like to thank Kentucky AARP chapter for this collaboration with for Aging with Grace. This podcast is focused on how and what we can add as we age. The fact is not a time of diminishment, but I submit it's a time for us to apply ourselves and learn from application, if you will, of what we have seen in life through some of the best teachers, which I submit, a lot of people agree, is experience. Before we welcome uh, Sherry to the program, listeners will know that I like to either have some kind of fun facts or I like to have some kind of jokes which make people groan, but I get a big kick out of them. With this being a morning recording, I'd like to give you this one. Sherry, I think you're on the line right now. Hi, Sherry. Hello, Dale. How are you? I'm good. And as I introduce you, you can be part of my audience, right? Because here's the thing with a podcast, I don't have any immediate feedback. So here we go. What kind of bagel can fly? What kind of bagel can fly? Uh, how about a how about a plain one? Uh, <laughs> I should have picked up on that. <laughs> I know, I know, I know. Okay, so, so here's another one. Here's another one. And, you know, hopefully our listeners are groaning as much as you are and laughing or laughing as much as I am. But here's another one. Why couldn't the bagel leave the casino? Why couldn't the sesame seed leave the casino? Because it was on a roll. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. That's good. (laughs) Yeah, we we, we try. And uh, folks folks who are listening are encouraged to also send some uh, jokes, send some little-known facts. Be sure to give me your source when you send them to me at dale at awg55.com. And also be sure to visit our website, awg55.com as well, before that one. As we welcome to the program, we've, you've already heard her voice. We welcome Sherry Rose to the program. And Sherry is the CEO of Thrive. And I thought we would spend a few minutes talking about Thrive. And we'll mention your, your website as we go through, but it's uh, www.thrivecenterky.org. And welcome, Sherry, CEO of Thrive. How are you this morning? Great. Thanks for inviting me to be on the podcast. Well, absolutely. And when we're looking through, you know, looking for innovation and looking for guests who are doing intriguing things and content that may appeal to our listeners at age 55 plus, I was very much intrigued by Thrive Center. And I thought maybe we could uh, start with uh, you kind of giving us some definition and what exactly is the Thrive Center? 
Well, we're an innovation center focused on various products and solutions around aging and aging well. I've been known to say many times we're not about living and dying, but living and thriving. And so as we age, we really wanted to create that innovation center where people can come in, be it a provider or an individual, and really experience some of the innovative services and technologies that allow us to age independently and in place for as long as possible. And so when asked, why did we build a center? You know, I always turn the question around and I say, where do you go to see innovation in aging? Mm-hmm. And there really isn't such a place, which is why we created uh, the Thrive Center. So it's experiential. You get to come in and see products uh, and really the use case behind those products. Mm-hmm. And I understand that this is a uh, national effort. Is that correct? Yes, it is. It's funny, but we're probably known more globally than we are out our back door, although we do have a lot of community members that get to experience what we do there at the Thrive Center. And that's just by building programs uh, around the technologies. But we are a global center. We have visitors that have come from now about 38 different states, eight different countries, just to see what we're doing with innovation. So an international footprint, if you will, if you're looking at eight different countries, correct? Yes. We have products in there that are from other countries, uh, Australia, Sweden, just to name a few. Mm-hmm. One of the uh, products, which I was kind of, well, I don't know if it was a product or not, but certainly a program that kind of got my attention, which was Energy and uh, what's that, Che Gung? Che Gung? Is that correct? It's yes. part of a Tai Chi program? Yes, it is. You know, it's interesting because we started doing chair yoga two days a week. Actually, they are back in session. So we have a chair yoga program today. But this is a lady, Kathy Schaefer, who retired from the University of Louisville Medical School, and she started programs in there. If you have silver sneakers, it's covered. If not, it's like $5 for a session for Kathy to lead them through this instruction. But what's interesting with the pandemic, like all other companies, we had to shut down our programs just to avoid the spread of the virus. And these adults who have been coming into chair yoga actually picked up the phone and called us and said, we are tired of being home. Could we come back in? And we said, well, you know, we can social distance you. You'll have to wear a mask. Uh, We'll have to ask the CDC questions, which is what we do. But they are now coming back in. She has a core group of people that come every Monday and Wednesday morning to experience the chair yoga and the programs that she offers. Well, I think that's excellent. And I think that, and you know more about this as a practitioner in long-term care in the uh, aging sector, Sherry, but it seems like there's a prevalence in the literature that talks about seniors who have a natural inclination as we age to kind of mole in. And it seems like the COVID um, epidemic encourages that behavior. So it's good to see that you are trying to encourage people to get out. And this is something that they're asking for, correct? They are. And, you know, we also have a program in there around mobility, and that's our Strive to Thrive program, where we have actually partnered with Bellarmine University, their faculty and PT doctoral students. And so we're a service learning center for them, and they get to do hands-on learning with some of the older adults who come in who have been identified for uh, fall risk. 
and they take them through an assessment and then put them through a program. So that was another case where when we talked to Bellarmine's faculty about that, we said, you know, we feel it's more important to have them in there getting mobility strength, core body strength exercises and working with them versus having them at home. And yes, a lot of us have had to be at home just to stop the spread and also not to get the virus. But what happens is we start to decline when we're not getting out and we're not being mobile. And we felt like the risk was less to bring them in as long as we're social distancing and taking all the precautions than to leave them in their home when we know they're a fall risk. So we did start that program back here uh, recently. So that program actually goes on Tuesdays and Thursdays uh, Mm -hmm. through the semester. And we did scale it back rather than having about 12 to 15. I think we have three or four individuals, but they get one-on-one training with the uh, students and faculty of Bellarmine. That's awesome. But so this is something where they actually come to the center for face-to-face or personal interaction, correct? Correct. Is there anything that is online which folks can also take advantage of, or is it primarily uh, face-to-face at this point, taking proper precautions according to the CDC? Well, you know, it's interesting you say that because the one thing that we learned, the pandemic just hit so quickly. And everything was shut down. And I happened to be out of town at the time and had to go home. It's just like it happened so suddenly. And we shut our programs down. But what we realized is if we had had more virtual and online programming, that would have been so beneficial to these adults who were coming in because we could have continued to give them some instruction even there at their home. And so now we are looking at developing an online program to not only give them instruction around chair yoga and gait and mobility, but some of the other things that can engage them and really mitigate that loneliness and isolation at home. So more to come on that. We are definitely looking at that, as well as doing a virtual tour of the center. We don't do as many tours now either. And unless it's a very small group, but uh, we're used to having 50 or so come into the center every quarter. And these are providers. And we've had to do more virtual conferences uh, like everyone else. But to do that 3D tour where you can actually see the products and see what's uh, in the center, we think would be valuable. Well, you know, online, you do have some uh, great looking uh, photos if people want to take a look at. And by the way, we're talking to Sherry Rose, who's the CEO of uh, Thrive Center Kentucky. Their website is www.thrivecenterky.org. And Sherry, uh, online, you can currently now see some good looking photos of things that you're doing, correct? Yes, you can. And we just redesigned our website. So we're more focused on what our mission is and actually our pillars of what we stand for around innovation and research and education, investment and distribution. And it's how we can bring some of these products to market faster that really give quality of life to our aging population. That was part one of a two-part interview with Sherry Rose, CEO of Thrive Center. Be sure to listen for the conclusion of her informative interview on the next edition of Aging with Grace. 
You know, folks, as you listen to my series from time to time, there's going to be some fun factoids, right, that I like to share with people. And I also encourage you to also share your fun factoids with me at agingwithgrace.com. So for today, though, we're going to talk about some fun factoids as follows. Like, for example, did you know that in the United States of America, in the U.S., there are only three types of marsupials? There's opossums and other classes as well. And there's one class of marsupial called a kangaroo, which is in Australia. You'll see that tie-in, folks, in a minute as we talk to our next guest, Ashley Goode, on organizing. But when we're looking at the animal kingdom, in terms of fun factoids, did you know that a hippo can run faster than a man, that elephants, though ponderous in appearance, can actually reach 25 miles an hour on the straightaway? And the fastest animal, everybody knows who that is, right? That's going to be a cheetah. 70 miles per hour in a short distance, 45 miles per hour in two seconds. Back to the kangaroo, because you're wondering where this is going if we're talking about getting organized. I know you're hanging on because Ashley's on the line too. Hi, Ashley. Hi, Dale. So I know that Ashley also is wondering where this is going. We're supposed to be talking about packing and, and get decluttering today. But when we're talking about packing things, when I think about a, a kangaroo, it's carrying its young in a pouch. Right. And so I'm wondering... What about us as humans? What is it that we are carrying that we really don't need to carry? What are those things that burden us? What are those things that hold us down? What are those things that clutter our lives? A kangaroo, by default, has to carry its little ones, right? Absolutely. Yeah. But we as humans, we have that choice of not carrying all this baggage with us. And so I thought today, when we look at aging with grace, when we look at things happening in life, Choices have to be made to jettison things that we hold near and dear. Is that right, Ashley? Absolutely. And so it's a process of filtering as you go along. Yeah, filtering as you go along. And so, as we hear from Ashley Goode, I like uh, Ashley's backstory. She talks about her inner nerd when she was younger <laughs> and having this need as a young person that there was a, that's this need for a sense of calm and control. And she likes the process of organizing homes. So, folks, as you're listening, our next guest, Ashley Goode, loves calming chaos. So, without further Absolutely. ado, here's Ashley with Ashley Organizes. Hi, Ashley. How are you? Good. How are you doing? I'm good. And you were probably wondering where that marsupial story was going. I liked it. I, was, I like any kind of extra info like that. <laughs> I love trivia. So when you have trivia night, call me up and I'll be there <laughs> and we will. You'd have to be on my team though. Ah, okay. Okay. We'll, have yeah. to, we'll look forward to that. We'll look forward yes. to that. So, you know, we talk about decluttering and I was reading something the other day that decluttering and cleaning up and getting organized is not the same thing as simply throwing stuff away. Is that correct? It's true. It's true. I always say clutter in and of itself is just delayed decisions. That's all it is, is that you haven't, uh, when we go into people's homes, it's, it's an excess of things that they have in and around their house. And, you know, they keep adding to, adding to, adding to, but never subtracting. So the house gets out of balance. And at that point, decisions have to be made. So clutter is just, uh, it's part of the process of making decisions and starting that. And that's what sometimes a lot of people have problems with. Is that because of an emotional attachment to those things or is it something deeper than that? There are a lot of attachments. Sometimes people, it's a lot of different things, but you can see sometimes people live in the past 
at a certain period of time, you know, maybe it's when they were young and, and they were the star of the football team. So they have tons of trophies and, and that kind of stuff. Or you can see if they have, you know, they miss their children, the children have gone, but they still keep the rooms the same. They still keep all of their toys and that kind of stuff. It is sentimental. That's a big part of it. A lot of people are fearful of, you know, if, if they get rid of things, what if they need it in the future? What if they forget something? Sometimes they're holding on to the memories or holding on to the feelings. So they try to keep everything. And then it just, but that is the, it just becomes too much. But that is really one of the biggest things is the sentimental holding on to things. I think that's realistic. Like in my own life, if I can have a moment of a candor here, I have trophies. Yes. I have trophies going back to high school where I was in the debate tournaments. And my wife said, get rid of them. And I said, yes. And I put them in a box. And then when she left the room, I pulled them back out. So hopefully she's not <laughs> listening to this, to this broadcast to our recording. <laughs> but, you know, that's like X number of years ago, eons okay. ago. But that's something I sweated for. That means a lot to me. So how do you suggest we get rid of those things that are truly symbolic in our lives? Well, I'm not saying to get rid of everything that's truly symbolic. Absolutely not. Because I had mentioned when you and I were talking beforehand about curating your life, like a collection of things. So some people keep everything from every stage and phase of life. And so then it kind of dulls it down where nothing is special. But, you know, I think you should celebrate different parts of your life. And so when you had trophies and those were special, then you absolutely should keep them. But if you're keeping everything associated with your high school, then that's another story, you know, but to pick out a few things from your high school or college days is completely appropriate. And that way, actually, when you, when you do that, when you, when you whittle something down and you just are curating a collection of things that are important and special from different times of your life, then you actually use the stuff or you bring it out or you appreciate it because some people just have like time capsules and, you know, of all their high school things or all of their college things and they're all buried away. And so nobody ever gets into it unless there's like a water leak and we have to go through the basement and that kind of stuff. Or if someone passes away, they, they, they box everything up. And then I'll talk to people. I'm like, well, we should go through it now and I'm a very sentimental organizer, so I see the beauty in all these things. But when people say, well, this is Aunt Edna's favorite this and favorite that, and I'm, I want to remind them that, you know, it's not doing it justice by keeping it in a box. It's not like making her memory live on. So if there are 20 things in this box, let's take just two or three that are really special and remind you of her. And then like, let's incorporate it in the house. So we get to see that, have her with you and have her memory. So basically, you're kind of just follow along an analogy with right. your aunt, with Aunt Edna. You're looking for yeah. those things that were sentimental that you can perhaps weave into your current decorative the yeah, decorative the, of the, your house, right? Things that have a real meaning, like if you always had like a candy dish, you know, at her house, that kind of thing. You'd want to be able to put that out. But if it even if it's not practical, if it's some artwork or something or an apron that she had, or if she hand stitched some cute hand towel or something, you know, just, just to have a few things out 
instead of having it all stuffed away and then just taking up space. And when the house gets so full, then people can't find what they're needing or what they want, or they just keep seeing things accumulate and it's hard to get back to the boxes that you want. Then it kind of causes an an extra layer of stress. In terms of that stress you're talking about, 25 years of a marriage or 25 years Mm -hmm. of living in your childhood home is time to move, is trying to, uh, some of our listeners may be in a position where they have to declutter because they're moving into assisted living or to some other kind of professional facility. Right, downsizing. Yeah, downsizing. Thank you, Ashley. Mm -hmm. But the question is, have you had someone who you had to walk through that? Because that's, that's very emotional to try to figure out out of 25 years, what do we take? What do we leave? Right? How does that process work from an emotional standpoint? That is hard. And we kind of talk about, I always am upfront with people and say, this is your history. You know, this has been a special part of your life. You've been here 25 years and you've kept 25 years of different things in this house. It's going to take more than a few days to kind of go through it. And we have to pace ourselves. So I always want people to be realistic. It's taken that many years to accumulate. It's going to take a substantial amount of time to weed through. But I kind of get a gauge of what's important to them and kind of establish a hierarchy. So I'd always start with like the easier things, the less sentimental And it's different for everybody. I have a client right now who's crazy about books, so we wouldn't touch any of his political books until the end of a whole process. Or a music buff, we wouldn't go to their music. But, you know, for some people, it might just start with, you know, going through something as easy as like a hallway closet, just that there aren't real strong feelings. And I kind of call it like, you know, the snowball effect. We're just going to start small with an easy area, something that's not going to be too difficult to process. And then you realize, okay, this isn't so bad. You know, it's kind of fun to look through all these things. I found some things that I haven't seen. You know, I feel indifferent to some of these things that I'm letting go. And so you kind of gain some momentum and then you just work into different areas, you know, and work from there. That was part one of a two-part interview with organization expert, Ashley Goode. Be sure to listen for part two of our interview about removing the angst from decluttering on the next episode of Aging with Grace. My next guest for this edition of Aging with Grace is Bob Stacy. Bob has a prolific profile in pickleball and has also been involved in the senior games. And Bob, I'd like to, first of all, say hello and welcome to Aging with Grace. How are you this morning? Doing well. Thank you very much. Glad you're here, Bob. And I'd like to talk a little bit about your experience with pickleball, especially with the uh, National Senior Games. But uh, what's kind of your personal involvement? I understand that you introduced pickleball to the Ashland area a number of years ago. That is correct. We, me and my doubles partner, Lynn White, brought pickleball to the Ashland area nine years ago. We started playing at the YMCA, and since then, we started off maybe 20, 25 members. We now have 80 members. We have pickleball courts at Central Park, pickleball courts at Tennis Center, pickleball courts at the YMCA. That's awesome. And has, the, has the sport kind of grown, would you say? It seems like it's kind of a national pastime, if you will. It's probably the largest growing sports in the nation as far as percentage of players start to play every year. 
it's one of the hottest sports going on. At one time, everybody thought it was a sport for older people, which it was at one time. But now if you look at the 20, 30-year-old ex-college tennis players playing pickleball, they're, they're now our pros or our 5-0 players. Hmm. And I understand, uh, just to kind of set it for our listeners, it's like a wiffle ball. I guess it's a combination of ping pong, badminton, and tennis with a wiffle ball. Would that be about right? That's correct. It is a wiffle ball, a more sophisticated ping pong paddle. You have a badminton-sized court, which means it's 20 by 44, and you have a net like tennis, but it's lower. It's 34 in the middle instead of 36 inches. So I gather, uh, would you say folks are really engaging the game from playing it for social or for exercise or combination of all of the above? All of the above. There's something about pickleball that makes it because you're closer. The players are not in tennis. They're farther apart. Uh, pickleball, once you really play the games, everybody's up on the kitchen. Uh, they're closer. You don't have to chase the ball as much. The volleys, the volleys are longer. And it's a really, it's more fun. It's really a lot of fun. Mm-hmm. Bob, did you say uh, up on the kitchen? What, what is the kitchen? This is a mountain volley line. It's a, it's a line seven feet back from the net. Due to the fact that you have a little lower net, we don't want somebody 6'2 or 10 or you know 6'10 or 5'10 standing right up on that net and just wearing the heck out of the ball back to the opponents. So, it's called a no volley zone, and the ball in the if you're volleying the ball and the ball's in the air, you cannot stand inside that kitchen and hit it. If the ball bounces in the kitchen or non volley zone, then you can step in and hit it. I see. So the wiffle ball can hit the ground. That's not necessarily once it hits the ground, you can still volley it off the ground. Yes. Yes. It's not like volleyball. You have to make keep it in the air. You right. Can, it, Allow the you know, it's allowed to bounce. Once you do it, we do have a unique rule. It's called the two bounce rule. If I would serve to you, you have to let it bounce. You cannot hit it in the air. If you re- once you return it to me, I have to let it bounce. After that, we can volley it in the air as long as neither one of us are in the kitchen. And then once it hits the ground in the kitchen, you can hit it out of there, or yes, you can step in and 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 uh, hit it out of there. But then again, if you get hit with the ball while you're in the kitchen or you hit the ball while you're in the kitchen, then it's a uh, foul. So before COVID and God willing, after COVID, what would be the uh, progression to qualify for the national senior games in a regular year without COVID, Bob? Okay, without that, the next games would be 2023 and a qualifying year for that would be 2022. You qualify a year ahead so the national senior games can get the athletes' information out, make sure they're getting entries and getting hotels and get all the information they need. So it's not like you qualify in September and you go in December. It's almost a year later. Folks, you're <laughs> to, uh, we're enjoying a conversation here with uh, Bob Stacy. We're talking about pickleball as part of the national uh, senior games, the Olympic Games for pickleball in Fort Lauderdale and also qualifying in Kentucky. And Bob has been very engaged in that process. Bob, final thoughts in terms of uh, pickleball. I love the concept. And I thought, you know, like you hear about other sports, you know, you have volleyball, you have basketball, et cetera, tennis. 
But pickleball, for some reason, puts a smile on my face, and I don't know why. You know, do you find most people when you say you play pickleball, do they kind of look at you quizzically with a smile on their face, like I have right now? Yeah, I I have a bumper sticker or a sticker on my car. It says "Pickleball rocks." Let's play. And I'll be in my car getting out. And I have people who say, "What is pickleball?" And I try to explain to them what it is and tell them where to go play. Give it a try. You know, I tell everybody, try it. May, you may like it, you may not. So we have grown tremendously. We down Central Park on six courts, we'll have 24 people up playing, anywhere from 20 to 30 people sitting out waiting to play. And that, that's not just in Nashville, Kentucky. That's in North Kentucky. That's in Bowling Green. That's in Elizabethtown. It's in Lexington. It's in Louisville. Everywhere you go, there's pickleball, and uh, it's grown tremendously. If folks want to get involved in pickleball, what's the best way to start in terms of finding out where the local tournaments are or where I can just go play this coming Sunday? If I want to play, how would I go about doing that, Bob? I guess go get a paddle, and then what? Go on a site, USAPA, United United States of America Pickleball Association, USAPA. And on there, you'll see a browser where you can see, put your browser where it says places to play. And they'll have a listing of all the states. I've done that. I was out in Eugene, uh, Eugene, Oregon for the uh, Olympic trials in 16. I clicked on that site and I found out two blocks from where I was staying was a pickleball course. And uh, on my, one of my day offs in the track meet, I went over and played pickleball in Eugene. That's awesome. So you have a like a half gun will travel. We can say Bob has paddle will play. <laughs> yeah, I played in I played in Houston, Texas. I played in Florida. I played in California. I played, like I said, in Oregon. So when I find a place, I played in Myrtle Beach, North Myrtle Beach. So find a place. There's courts there everywhere you want to go. That's awesome. And I also think with even in inclement weather, you can also move it inside as well. So it sounds like a year round sport. Would that be correct? That is correct. There's a lot of a lot of pickleball played inside. Like I said, our YMCA has uh, uh, three courts. Our tennis center has uh, two courts. Well, very good. Well, this has been a very intriguing conversation, Bob. I appreciate it. And we'll direct our uh, listeners to go to the USAPA.org to find places to play pickleball. Would that be correct? That is correct. And maybe if they're lucky, they'll actually see Bob, Stacy, and his trusty paddle out on the courts. Bob, thanks so much for your time. I truly appreciate it. Thank you, Daryl. Have a good was, day. Thank you, sir. That was uh, Bob Stacy. He's involved uh, as a player, not only in pickleball at the local and state level, but also at the National Senior Games, which will be held uh, November of 21 in Fort Lauderdale, Florida. Thank you so much for listening. And Bob, I appreciate your time. Thank you. Have a good day. Well, folks, thanks for listening to uh, Aging with Grace and our earlier guests. We're talking about decluttering. And each program, as we wrap up, we always like to kind of give folks you know, some pearls of wisdom, if you will, some thoughts in closing. And Lily Lou has been absolutely delightful. This is her uh, second appearance on Aging with Grace. She's the uh, AARP historian and emerita and uh, has a distinguished career with AARP. And Lily, I'd like to welcome you again to the program. How are you today? Hey, Dale. Thank you so much for the warm introduction again. It's always great fun to be with you and your community. 
Well, we appreciate that. You're all the way from uh, hailing to us from uh, Washington, D.C. Hope all is well over in D.C. this day. Yes, thank you. AARP has a headquarters here, the national office, but we're so lucky that in every state, as in Kentucky, there's always a state office. That's awesome. I'm glad you said that because this program would not be possible without the advertising and broadcast sponsor support of Kentucky AARP. I'd like to give a shout out to them for making this possible for people to enjoy this edition of Aging with Grace. As we transition to talk about uh, some pearls of wisdom from Dr. Andrus, Lily, you had touched on a chicken coop story during our last time together. And I thought for our listeners, that might be a wonderful place to start. But just because we're talking about defining who Dr. Uh, Ethel Percy Andrus was, having earned her uh, PhD in 1930. So if you could kind of recap that story real quick, and then we'll move on from there. Absolutely. It's so interesting because a lot of people do not know that AARP, which was founded 62 years ago in 1958, was founded by a woman. And she had been an educator. And in retirement, she was helping to check on her fellow retired teachers. And that was what happened was that she found a fellow retired teacher because of poverty living in a chicken house, a chicken coop. And like so many of the folks out in Kentucky, when they saw something that you know isn't right, they fight against it and try to make it better. So that's what Dr. Andrus did. She said, this is not good to have someone in their old age after having contributed so much to society as an educator, as a teacher. So she worked really hard. And as a result, in 1958, she was able to found AARP to help not just retired teachers, but all older Americans. Well, like so many of the retired educators in Kentucky, Dr. Andrus really influenced a lot of her students' lives. The majority of her career was spent in a high school in Los Angeles, and she was there for 28 years. So you can imagine she touched, as they say, teachers touch the future. And I know that retired educators in Kentucky will know that when she was the educator, she helped give her her students opportunity. Yes, absolutely. Because teachers actually give us a future, and that's what she did through her passion and through her dedication. I think that's remarkable, absolutely remarkable. As we're talking about decluttering today, Lily, and in a moment you're going to share some uh, pearls of wisdom for us from uh, Dr. Andrus, Dr. Ethel Percy Andrus. But decluttering is one of those things that seems like it hobbles us through life. And I don't understand, and my last guest, we kind of talked about it, but I want to get your thoughts on it. We carry so many things that are not important to us that they just seem to slow us down. They become baggage. And have you noticed that as well, not only as you age, but some of, as we age rather, but as, as some of your contemporaries and others? Well, I think everybody has that. It's a question of just taking action. You have to start somewhere. That's a good point. You have to start somewhere. And I think maybe that's where we leave our listeners today is understanding they have to start somewhere. And I think you have a pearl of wisdom on point with that. Is that correct? Yes, Dr. Andrus's writings are always so relevant. So I'd like to share this one with your listeners. Quote, it has been wisely said that whatever many may say about the future, it is ours. Not only that it may happen to us, but it is in part made by us. Close quote. Isn't that perfect? We've got to start somewhere as we begin to declutter. 
Absolutely. And we want to encourage people to take those uh, words to heart. And thank you again, Lily Lou, for your time. We always appreciate having you on the program as a uh, emerita and AARP historian. It's just a delight talking with you. And I certainly hope you can join us maybe a couple of weeks on our next podcast. How about that? I'd love to. Thank you, Dale. My pleasure. That was Lily Lou, AARP historian and emerita from Washington, D.C., Thank you so much, listeners, for giving us a few moments of your time today on a program that doesn't talk about diminishment, but talks about what we can bring to the table from some of our best teachers as we age, which is experience. Take care and look forward to listening to it. Please listen to us in a few more weeks on our next broadcast of Aging with Grace. You can visit us at awg55.com. This has been your host and producer, Dale Josie. Have a great day. And again, if you have some uh, facts that you want to share with people or some comedy, but pro- hopefully better than mine, please send them to me at uh, dale at awg55.com. And thank you so much for spending time listening to my podcast today. It's uh, in collaboration with Kentucky AARP Chapter, who are our partners for this uh, series, and we certainly appreciate their support. Thank you for listening. And again, Aging is not a time of diminishment, but we submit at awg55.com that this is a time of application. Thanks for listening. You have more things to do today, so get to them. And thank you for giving us a few minutes of your time. Have a great day and look forward to our next broadcast.